I wouldn't say struggle. I literally saw my mum work. I saw yeah. my mum literally come and say, listen, like, whatever you want in life, you can go and get it. So yeah. for me, I think I always had that mentality growing up. And obviously going into secondary school, it was one of those things where I went to an all-girls school. And I was really insecure, in fact. I was really insecure. Um, I was insecure about many different things. I was insecure about my teeth. I was insecure about my face. I didn't think I was pretty. I didn't think I was good enough. And for me, I always said to myself that if I wasn't going to be the prettiest girl in the room, I was always going to be the girl that had the most money. Mm. So from young, I was always in the business mindset. I was always kind of like, okay, I'm not going to go here. I'm just going to make my money, make my money. So from school, I was shot in. I was shot in chocolates, the biscuits. That's what I was, you to do, you know, the Twixes was <laughs> yeah. 75 per year, yeah, all of that. I was that. And there was even a time when I was making so much money that I had people selling on my behalf. Yeah, like around year 10, year 10 times, I had people selling on behalf. Wait, um, stop, 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 stop. You say with the chocolate, the chocolate, the the the, the crisps and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were selling so much. I was paying someone like fifty pound a month, fifty pound a week. Yeah, because I was making a lot. I was making a lot. I mean, if you're for me, obviously these times like my mom would give me like ten pounds, and I'm investing everything. Like I would not eat. No, like I'm not eating in school. Invest, or like I'm invest, yeah, yeah, I'm investing that. <laughs> I love it. So I'm literally getting Kit Kat Twix. I used to get gold bars, cookies, and I used to, I just had a particular like chocolate that I used to do and for, for me because I was quite like prominent sellers in my year group and the year above I used to sell to the year below so I just knew my target audience so from then that's when I started realizing like making money is something that is very attainable from a young age but just because I know how to make make money doesn't know I know how to sustain it I didn't know how to keep it so um so yeah that was around the time that I was like in year 10 year 11 and around that time I just wanted respect I felt like you know, I got bullied actually in year seven and year eight. Wow. Um, and my bullying was quite severe. So I had like a MySpace page made about me where they called Hayden Monkey Girl Melinda. Um, it got so bad to the extent that my mum was even going to move me to Uganda. I was going to move to a boarding school because it got so bad. I was having panic attacks. I was getting picked and dropped from home. Um, there'd be, there was rumours in year seven. I remember when there was rumours um, of that I had passed away. So they made a rumour that I died. What? Um, yeah, it was crazy. I ended up forgiving the girls when I got to about year 11, year 12. But yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, and I remember even it getting to like year eight. I'll never forget when I was walking through the playground and hearing these people chanting saying, Hayley needs to die. Hayley needs to die. Um, this is year seven. This year is eight. Like, this is year, year eight time. Eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then I just stopped hanging around, hang around with a lot of people in my year group. Mm. And this is even some people in my year are probably going to watch this and not even know it got to that bad extent. They probably heard about it, but they didn't know it got so bad. Mm. Um, and I don't really speak about it. That's a story that I don't really speak about. And wow. I think it definitely impacted how I navigated my secondary school years. So growing up in my secondary school years, I didn't really um, solidify a lot of friendships in my year. Mm. I solidified a lot of friendships in the year below because wow. I felt like my year group I didn't really, um, yeah, I just was traumatised by that growing up in secondary school. But funny enough, majority of my friends, like now, like my girls, my OGs, are girls in my year group. So it's, it's, it's funny how life works out. It's full circle. Yeah. And, yeah, so I remember that happening. I remember just feeling, thinking to myself that I wouldn't want anyone else to go through this. So that's when I started getting very passionate about helping others and just being supportive, being a big sister, mm. um, or being a sister, should I say. I started really becoming passionate in sisterhood. And even I was having a conversation with a friend recently, like I've never had a girl group. I've never been the girl that's part of a clique or okay. part of a girl group because I just never wanted to, I don't know, contribute to the, the person that never fitted in, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always was the person that would always like, 
be chilling with this person one time, chilling with that person next yeah, time, yeah, yeah. because I never wanted anyone to feel like feel left out like I did. Wow. Um, but so, yeah, that's my secondary. That is a lot of my secondary school life. <laughs> you was going through that at the age of like eleven, yeah, 12, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even comprehend you going through all of that and then still working yourself up every day to be like, yo, okay, let's keep going. Yeah. It got, it, I think, yeah, my mum really helped me, my god sister as well, my god sister more than anything, because she went to that secondary, my secondary school, she went to my secondary school when she was a bit older, yeah, I mean, yeah. a bit, a few years back, okay. so she's older than me, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she was just kind of like, hey, it's gonna, it's gonna die over, it's gonna die over, and I remember literally that, that summer, no one heard from me, so maybe that's probably why they thought I died, I don't, I don't know why till this day that they even made up such a crude rumour, mm. but I remember literally coming back, I'll never forget coming back the first day. I missed the first day of school. I missed I came on the second day of school because I was so scared. I had panic attacks and I was so scared. So I went back the second day of school and I remember literally walking around and literally just seeing all these girls come up to me and they're like, so you're alive. I thought, we, I thought you was dead. And just that, that moment thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have, I might have to fight these girls. And because at the point, at that time in my life, as I said, not feeling alone, not feeling like, I felt I belonged. Mm. Um, I ended up talking to like, you know, end up getting new friends and I ended up talking to like certain guys. Like, so I was talking to guys who like were affiliated with gangs and stuff like that. And yeah, when it got to around like 15, I nearly got stabbed. I remember that that was on Valentine's Day. And, you know, I was a friend who... On Valentine's Day? Yeah, Valentine's Day. Because basically the story behind it is, um, I won't say any names, just mm-hmm. to whatever. Um, the story behind it is that I had a friend who basically... Um, was selling a Blackberry. Mm-hmm. So I went to go link him to buy the Blackberry of him. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got there, I realised there was like three boys. And then one of them pulled out a knife to me and he pulled out a knife towards my torso. So I'm feeling it now. When I feel it, I scream. And I've got a very loud scream. So I'm in the park and it, this is broad daylight. And they basically, the Blackberry that I was meant to get, I didn't get it. So they took the money that I had obviously in my pocket mm-hmm. and then they tried to take my Blackberry, but my Blackberry, because my pockets were so deep, they couldn't get in it close mm-hmm. enough. And funny, like, thank God, there was a by, um, like a stand bypasser that heard my scream and they ran towards me. So they ran. Um, yeah, they ran. And I remember the police um, coming, pulling up because someone called the police. And I remember the police were like, yeah, you've got to come with us to the station. Then when I realised they were trying to put me in the back of the car, I was like, I'm not going. So like, I never told the police, I never told anything because for me in my head I was just like I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna snitch. Mm. This happened like near my school as well. And I remember like there would be times when, you know, certain guys would come to my school looking for me, like to see if I'd snitched or what whatnot, whatnot. And um yeah, I didn't. I just I just didn't because I felt like I didn't want to put myself in more of a predicament or put myself mm. in more danger. And from then that's when I started to realise that. I wanted to do more for young people and mm. I wanted to kind of, yeah, I wanted to do more for young people, be present because I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Um, but yeah, those are all the different pain points I went through my secondary school year. And I think it was year 11 when things started to change for me when I ran for young mayor of Newham. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started becoming really passionate about like knife crime, young people, mentor- mentoring, public speaking, mm. and then the rest is history, to be honest. <laughs> My head is thinking further on into our conversation, mm. but your journey now makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Hearing, hearing those stories, 
underst- makes me understand even more why you do what you do and go so hard with what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an amazing testimony, and we're on. This is question one. Mm. <laughs> do, you under- do you understand? Yeah, we're on question one, and I just feel like how amazing you are. Thank you. Thank you. Like honestly, Thank like like you've, God's grace. you've grown so much from from that particular point. I even know you then, <laughs> but from what you're telling me, you've grown so much and just been you're a light to so many people. Thank you. And um, one question, one. <laughs> <laughs> Age is mandatory. Yeah. Growth is optional. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest area of your mindset that you've grown in as you've got older? That authenticity and transparency is key. Mm. Integrity is everything. Um, I think it's so easy for you to want to be more inspiring than for you to be integral. Mm. Like, it's just easy for you to want to be an inspiring persona. Like, of course, look to me like I'm inspirational. Mm. But when you start to realise that inspiration has to be rooted in integrity, it has Mm. to be rooted in values, it has to be rooted in morals. And I'm one person that I don't want people to be inspired by my biography because you are going to look at my biography and you're going to think that this is who Hayley Menender is. Mm. But that's not who I am. Mm. It's what I am to corporations, it's what I am to business. But who I am, the embodiment of what I am, is love, it's, 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 it's love, it's service, it's all these things. And I would rather somebody connect with that part of Hayley mm. rather than my biography. Um, and I think it's just so easy for you to just read someone's biography and, and kind of be like, oh, this is, this is it, this is, where, this is where I need to, you know, this is who I need to follow. And I was, I was there, you know, there was many people, many mentors, many people I've had who I've been inspired by and I just, you know, follow them blindly. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, how to say it, you eat the meat, you spit out the bones. But unfortunately, I didn't spit out the bones. Mm. So there was a lot of things, there was a lot of traits that I p- picked up that were actually quite unhealthy from mm. different mentors and different people who um, I was inspired by a younger. And I just found myself, that's why it goes back to this whole narrative of I'm not a role model. I'm not trying to be a role model, I'm trying to be a real model. I'm trying to be somebody who will show you what is real. So I'm not the type of person that is going to be like, okay, this is how much money I make. This is the clients I work with. These type of rooms I've been in. Yes, I've met with Melinda Gates. Yes, I've done this. Yes, I've done that. And I'm not going to come and tell you, say, yes, I have also been bullied. Yes, I've also had a knife Mm. um, thing. Yes, I lost my dad when I was a young uh, child. So I'm still healing through daddy issues. Like, I'm not going to come and give you the perfect and I'm not going to give you the nitty gritty Mm. because the nitty gritty is what makes me Mm. and the nitty gritty is going to make anybody else as well. Like a lot of the times we are always trying to look for perfection but the imperfection is what makes you valuable. Um, You know, know, when they come and talk about diamonds, like pressure and all these things but there's actually a Japanese jar that if you break it, um, they break it normally and they actually put gold in, in, in the middle of it and then they stick it together and mm. they sell it and the value goes up 10 times more. I think every human being is like that. You know, many things will break us in life. But the gold is the authenticity, it's the integrity, the humility. It's all these characteristics that I think are very important. If you put this all together, you become more valuable mm. because at that point you've decided that you're going to be a better person. You're going to grow from your experiences. That's why I say aging is mandatory, growth is optional. Like not every single person that is 30 or 40 is actually 30 years old. Mm. Some of them are literally 30 who have lived one year 30 times. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I knew this would be amazing. <laughs> but I'll be honest, you blow my mind at this point. So we try and move. <laughs> what made you become 
an international public speaker? Um, so the story actually first started in year 12. In year 12 was when a public speaker came into my school. And I remember that very day, my form tutor at the time actually asked us, like around our form, like, what do you guys want to be? And normally I used to say, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a lawyer. But that very day in particular, I don't know why, I actually said, I want to own a motivational speaking company. Jeez. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, you have the title. Um, and um, she was just kind of like, oh, that's really interesting because there's actually an international, like there's actually a motivational speaker coming in mm. to school today. I said, oh my gosh, cool. I remember seeing him and I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, this is what I want to do. I basically want to be able to touch young people but not be limited to a classroom. Mm. And I just loved how he engaged. I loved how he could bring his personality. I loved that it was just so real. And in my head, I was just thinking, this is exactly what I want to do. So at the time I shot my shot and I remember him bringing um, different people up. I put my hand up to go up. So, you know, I didn't even know what it was for, but he was just asking us, like, what we want to be. And I remember I made a cheeky comment. I was very cheeky in second, um, in sixth form. And I made a cheeky comment. I said, I want to do what you do. I want to do what you do, but better. Why is that And I remember him thinking, oh, who's this girl? Like, this 17-year-old girl. Like, I think at the time I was even 16. I was like, who's this girl? And... Um, he was just kind of like, cool, I'll mentor you. I didn't hear from him for a year. But within that year, I thought, cool, like, I'm not going to wait around. I've mm. never been somebody that waits around for opportunities. I make the opportunities happen. Mm. So I went and created a blog. I was creating, like, a motivational blog. I got, like, over 25,000 views in a year. And um, then, after, then after, because he saw the consistency, he reached back out to me. He was like, now you're ready. And then he put me back in my school doing talks for my school. Then I end up running a program, end up getting that filmed. I put mm -hmm. that on YouTube. Different schools saw that. They started reaching out to me. Then I just started creating content for social media on Instagram. Back in the day when Instagram uploaded videos and it was 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah, so I, used yeah. come, I used to come with a 15-second slot. I'd be like, you know, I used to come with just motivational content. So there was like one video that went viral that was like, you know, I'd rather be a, bog, uh, a dog that bites rather than barks because you don't need to talk too much. So... Um, just little stuff like that and you know people were just kind of clutching on and people would be booking me for like universities people would be booking me for um yeah universities and around that time um it was getting so overwhelming and then obviously that's when I ended up having like a mental health breakdown had a break and then I didn't speak for about I didn't speak for about seven months mm. actually I didn't speak for a long time so I stopped my speaking engagements for a while and then when I came back it was kind of like cool I'm back and I'm back with a book so around that time I took the time to heal to pray, to read, you know, delve in and, and work within myself, get my mental health back to a place, a steady place, came out of a book. Mm. And then I was going to Uganda, which is where my mom's from. And I reached out to schools in Uganda and was like, I'm more than happy to come and do free talks. And I've just done, I've done a tour from Uganda. I've done a tour in Uganda, um, sponsored by a ticket. I've got different people in the UK to um, sponsor um, books mm. and books, pens, pencils. I had about two big suitcases going to Uganda mm. with my book. So literally gave about 200 books out, 200 oh. pencil cases mm. and stuff like that, touring different schools in Uganda. Then I came back and said, I'm an international speaker now. <laughs> so that's how it all started. So yeah, shot my shot. You really did. You really told someone who come in to talk to you. Listen, I want to do what you do. Well, I'm just going to do, do what you do. That's literally what you told him. And he was like, okay. And then he had that that year of kind of like, I reckon he was watching that whole year. He definitely, he was, he was. He told me he was. And then he was just waiting to see, okay, what you said, is that going to match up to what you do? Yeah. 
And then you do that, okay, cool, I'm back. But yeah. I was watching, so. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember your first speaking engagement? And with the paper, you had the paper, and you didn't have the paper, and you threw the paper on the floor. And yeah. Then How did that go for you? And what was one thing you learned from that day? That day is that, you know, there's no limits to what you think you can do. Because mm. if you told me at that time that, that I would be doing a speaking engagement, that, and that was to my peers as well. Mm. That's hard. That, that's to my year group that I came and done the talk. So I remember it think, being a thing where I remember people like laughing because they were thinking, what the hell is this girl doing? But then it's like the same people who were doubting me are the same people that I now help with speaking engagements, mm. like presentations in their corporations or presentations in university. I don't take it personal. It's kind of like, I understand that you laugh at the things you don't understand. Ignorance is, a, is, is, is normally the, the reason why people laugh or mm-hmm. um, do all those things. So it was hard, but I think literally that, I'm so happy that my first speaking engagement was to my year group. Why is that? Because they're people who know you. Like, yeah. it's hard. Like, it's so easy to talk to people who you don't know, but it's kind of like, okay, cool, I made mistakes. I was young. I was, I was, I was, um, that's what I can say is I was unfiltered because yeah, I yeah. spoke with a lot of slang. Um, I was, I was, yeah, I was very like unfiltered, like very rough. <laughs> I was a very, very rough diamond. Whereas now, obviously, I articulate, I articulate myself different. I carry myself in a different, in a different manner. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy. I'm happy that I was able to hopefully inspire somebody in that room that, you know, age is nothing but a number. Like, mm. if I was 17 years old and I was doing speaking engagements, it's like, I was hoping that somebody would be inspired to kind of be like, you know what hell is like, I don't have to take the conventional route. I don't have to become a lawyer or, or, a, or a financial analyst. Like, if I want to go do producing, if I want to do this, like, mm. I can go do it now. And funny enough, one of my favourite testimonies is that my friend that filmed that, He's actually now a really big director now in the UK, working with like Potter Paper, very wow. black. And that was the first time he ever picked up the camera. And that was the first time I ever done my first speaking engagement. So it's like being able to even look at his journey and mm. say, we both had a, like, a sit down with like, he was like, yo, hell, was like, I want to go into directing, videography, I want to go into film editing. And I was like, I want to go into speaking. And we just created that together. And that was the documentary and stuff like that. That was his first, like, how to say it, like portfolio thing that mm-hmm. he could put out to the industry and that was my first thing that I can put out to the industry as well and then we've just kind of gone our separate ways. We're still very close, mm. but still gone our separate ways into our industries and done our thing. Was there anything else you wanted to become prior to saying, I want to be a public speaker? Yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer or a teacher because I thought that teaching, you get paid to shy kids. I thought that's lit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just getting paid to shy kids and just tell them about your life. You get free pay from people your kids. <laughs> like, how many teachers had issues? They would always be coming to us and be like, yeah, so, you know, I know that we needed to teach, but, you know, I had an, an issue, da 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 Yeah, yeah. there's some teachers. <laughs> they were just always projecting onto us. And I say with law... I watched Scandal a lot growing uh, up. Scandal, so Olivia Pope. You felt Olivia Pope. Yeah, so I just loved her, the way she carried herself. And I, I just looked at that as the epitome of a strong black woman. Wow. Being able to just hold your head up high, walk into the most powerful rooms and be able to come and say, this is what I stand for. Mm. And I think that's always what I wanted to do. But if I know that in my, in my heart, I knew it was always going to be related to young people, regardless, because mm. I'm very passionate about that. So, yeah. So when you was younger, you made a, a video... Mm-hmm. and it was motivating teams to find their way. Mm-hmm. So what I want to ask you is, do you feel like now you've truly found your way? Um, 
yeah, I think my, my why is, my why goes back to my faith. You know, it's being able to meet my father in heaven at the end of my life and be able to come and say that, God, I, I've done what you told me to do. And mm. that he comes and say, you've been a truly faithful servant. And I think at the end of the day, regardless of what we believe, our faith, um, I think there is going to come a time to the end of your life and you're going to ask yourself, did I do what I felt like I needed to do here? Mm. Did I actually leave my footprint? You know, did I leave a legacy that people can come and say, you know, Hayley Melinda was not my ceiling, but she was my floor. Mm. You know, I want it to be a thing that black women or women who look like me can walk into certain rooms and say, I was mentored by Hayley Melinda or mm. I was able to just create uh, systems or create things in place that people who are from ends specifically can basically be like, it doesn't have to be as hard because there was somebody who went before me and knocked down certain doors. Mm. So yeah, I think my, my ultimate why is simply, you know, being able to come and say, you know, I, I was able to do what I was doing. And the crazy thing is, is that I don't even think that I want God to even come and say, you know what, Hayley, it's because you made this amount of money or this, 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 or blah, blah, blah. I want it to be like, I loved. Because at the end of the day, love is what transforms. Love is what changes. Love is what I feel God is going to be able to hold us accountable to. Did you love? Did you mm. serve? Did you wash the feet of the people that I asked you to wash the feet of? Did you pour the way that I wanted you to pour? Because Jesus is a very selfless man. Mm. And if this is the one who I'm inspired by and I want to look like daily, I have to be able to come and say, okay, Haley, like, whose life have you impacted today? I think a lot of the time, we are saying, okay, God, answer my prayers, but are you being an answered prayer to many people around you? Mm. So I think that is my why. It's more or less being a solution rather than contributing to the problem. Do you feel, or where do you feel like this want to show love and be love for, for others came from? Do you feel like it came when you became a Christian or mm -hmm. do you feel like you had this before? Oh, I had it way before. I had it way before. I think it just became, I think it just started to make sense when I became a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think now it's just kind of like, oh, like, this is actually biblical and this actually now aligns with, you know, my faith. I was like, cool, let's run with it. Like, that's bottom barrel. But in terms of, um, in terms of, I'm a very empathetic person. My mom actually told me growing up that apparently when I watch people cry on TV, I'd cry. Like, and to this day, I'm still, still saying, like, I was watching Freedom Writers literally the other day, the movie, Ooh, and I was, and that's my life. Like mm. when I think about, you know, Miss Grunwell and what she'd done, mm. that is something that I would love to do. Like that is what I would love, like to be able to create a safe place where people, kids, young people who have been written off, that basically they have no opportunity, are given opportunities, given representation in ways that it's like, oh my gosh, like how, like, why do you believe in me? It's because because there's a God in heaven that loves you so much mm. who wants who believes in you too. And I just want to be a vessel of that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's from young, I've always had this heart to help and this heart to, to serve. <laughs> I'm just looking at you because I'm just like, wow. <laughs> like, do you get this often? Do you get like, so say for example, when you, when you step into rooms or when you speak to people, do people like, there must be a maze by yeah. who you are. Not what you do. Yeah. Who you are. I guess so, but you said I, don't I guess know, so. I don't I don't like I don't like I, I guess <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm aware I'm aware of the fact that people have, you know I'm aware of the fact that I get I get messages every day about mm. how amazing I am and how special I am and stuff like that. But I don't let that rock me. Yeah. yeah because yeah. I don't want it get to, I don't want it to get to my head. Mm. I don't want it to get I don't want to get so caught up in the idea of oh my gosh, hey, you're doing amazing things because it's easy to do amazing things. Yeah, I just yeah. aim to be an amazing person and how I can be an amazing person is literally humbling myself before God and mm. say, God, 
how can I serve your people best? Because, um, you know, failure is not doing being bad or being bad at something. Failure is being successful at something that God has not called you to do. Mm. So the crazy thing is, is that there's many people who are failing right now in life mm. because they're not doing what they're actually called to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so easy to get so caught up in, you know, the just the amazingness and stuff. Because there might become a time where God comes and says, like, Haley, I don't, I don't want you to be speaking anymore. Mm. So then it's like, okay, like, hey, like Haley, right now you need to focus on your marriage and your kids. Like, you know, it's 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 being able to detach that. But I am humbled, don't get me wrong. Like, it's amazing to know that people are impacted. It definitely does keep me going. It keeps me encouraged. But I think more than anything, um, my my identity and it, it has to lie with my faith. Yeah. It has to. So, yeah. As you start to rise in terms of popularity, not yeah. just by public speaking, but music and stuff, mm. how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Rise of people, like you said, yeah. messages coming in saying, Haley, you're amazing. Um, people wanting, wanting and vying for your attention. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um, great man that I know said something to me that uh, still speaks to me very loud to this day. I remember after Microsoft, you know, Microsoft was probably the most life-changing speaking engagement I did because, mm. you know, they flew me out, my videographer, out to Redmond to work with their senior leaders. Mm. And I was there for about, I was there for about a week. Mm. And I was working, like, consulting, like, their, their blacks. Like, so, like, literally the execs that chaired the head of blacks for the whole of black people wow. in the Microsoft. And I'm working with the OCP who oversee 14.5 billion of Microsoft revenue. So these are the people that I was working with, you know, speaking of them and stuff like that. And I remember leaving there amazing speaking engagement it was it was crazy like the cvp of microsoft messaged me and was like you've literally changed my team Mm. like the talk you've done has shifted my team completely and i remember thinking to myself how the hell has this happened because i was 22 at the time and she had even been at microsoft for 25 years so it's kind of like imagine you're working you're being invited by somebody who has been at microsoft longer than you've been alive and they're asking, they're asking you to come and speak. Mm. You're like, you're the expert in the room. And I'm being, feeling hella, hella imposter syndrome. But God's faithful and he allowed me to be in that room and to mm-hmm. speak and to impact them and impart. Yeah. And I remember, you know, getting on the phone to him and I was like to him, he asked me, okay, hey, how was it? And, you know, asking me, um, he's, he's like a father figure to me. He asked, how, how was it? And, and I was like, oh, you know, I feel, I feel, it was good, it was good, but I feel drained. I feel, you know, a lot, it was overwhelming because that day I was also on the cover of a magazine, Grace mm-hmm. magazine. And so that, so the Microsoft thing got announced and then Grace magazine got announced. So my following went up by like 3K. Like I remember it being such a very overwhelming day. Mm. And I remember him saying, Haley, no matter how high God takes you, always go low before him. Mm. And if you allow your posture to always go low before God, he will take you higher than heights. And I think for me, it's being able to come and say, like, after every speaking engagement, before every speaking engagement, I just pray and I just say, you know, God, allow me to do the the work that you allow me to do. And many people are kind of like, ah, oh, because obviously I work with a lot of people that don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. I work with people who are um, different religions or, you know, who are spiritual. And they might kind of be like, I don't believe in God. How do you do that? I don't force my faith onto people. But my faith is my faith. Like, mm. that's what makes me, like... And if that's what makes me happy, I'm going to communicate my story, right? And I think it's being able to come and say, like, listen, like, this is what works for me and this is what is happening for me. And I just give the glory every single time because 
if only people know like the backstory behind every speaking engagement, different things, like it's crazy. Like God is definitely in the center of everything. For those who haven't followed your journey, yeah, I want to go back a little bit. Mm. Um, talk to us briefly about what was going on, kind of like I want to say the last year of sixth form into your first year of university, yeah, and and how your mental health was kind of affected during that time. Yeah, my mental health went down, down, downhill. You know, it's so crazy being a public speaker, how you speak to thousands or speaking to hundreds and you'd feel so alone. Mm. I think that's what happened. Like, I was starting to feel so alone. And at, at the time, I was actually in a quite a toxic relationship that, you know, I'm not public about. Mm. And, you know, uh, my partner at the time had cheated. And I remember that put me to a, a very low place. And so just feeling, okay, like, my friendships had shattered. Um, me and my partner had broken up. All these things kind of going on, feeling, just feeling life was not worth it. I was tired, I was drained. And then it getting to a point where I just started to feel like I'm a burden. Like, I'm a problem now. Like, what I'm doing is not even blessing people. It's, it's more a problem. Wow. So when you start feeling like that and just feeling so demotivated and stuff and, and just having these constant thoughts, these constant thoughts, feeling very anxious, panic attacks, and, and just starting questioning life, mm. questioning life that was, you know, losing people around me and stuff. And I just started to think, if life is full of loss, where's the point? Mm. And I think when it got to the point where loss was now louder than life itself, mm. you start to just think, what is the point? And um, I think, yeah, I just spiraled into a really, really dark place. And I remember it getting to a point where obviously I was suicidal and, you know, my mum had to like, take me back home. And I remember my brother literally having to call me, check in on me. My best friends called me every single day. And yeah, like there being about three suicide attempts, and I remember, like, the last suicide attempt was when my brother walked in. My brother walked in, and he literally was like, okay, Haley, I want to talk to you about Muhammad Ali. And in my head, I was thinking, Muhammad Ali, like, what are you talking about? And he just said to me, you know, um, Muhammad Ali, when he gets into the fight, he's fighting, and he's, you know, jibbered, you know, he's doing his jabs and stuff. Everyone's saying, Muhammad, get up. Muhammad, you can do this. And they're cheering him on. And Muhammad gets knocked down. And at that very moment, even though everybody in the world can be true, Muhammad gets up. It's up to Muhammad to get up and fight. Mm. And he said, Haley, we can all be true on saying, Haley, get up and fight. But it's up to you to get up and fight. Mm. And that shifted something in me. It was in that very moment that I actually had to not take responsibility, personal responsibility for my mental health and say, Haley, you can do this. Mm. And not to necessarily rely on anyone else to be the person that is going to get me up at this mm. fight. I had to more or less come and say, Haley, fight. Mm. And it was it was not an easy journey. As I said, I took my seven months out and I was recovering, but just every single day doing something different, whether that's showering, whether that's because my personal hygiene went down, down mm. the drain, whether that's showering, open up the window, uh, uh, being able to sleep on time, eating cleaner, being able to just go for walks. Like these are the very things that helped me and encouraged me. Um, and yeah, like just having that routine was able to help me get to a, a better place mentally. How important were your friends and family at this time? How important? Everything. Everything, 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 everything. You know, I, I definitely would say, you know, there's the African proverb that comes and says, um, it, takes a, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. I think it takes a village to save one, too. Mm. I think it takes a village to sustain one. I think it takes a village to, to, to do everything. A community is everything. And I believe that God has allowed us to have community. God so loved, loved the world that he gave right god so if you ever doubt god's love in your life just look at the caliber of people around you and that's when you know that god loves you so much so for me in that very moment it was the blessings around me that literally saved my life so yeah
Is there ever a time when you think to yourself, why did God choose to save me? Yeah, there, there, there was. I was literally at, I was literally at a talk with my fiance, and, and I remember he was saying something to me um, after my talk, and he was just kind of like, he still finds it so surreal that, you know, I get paid to share a story that is quite traumatic, mm. and it's not. I don't do it because of the money. I do it because I, I always say this. I'm not here to lead a generation. I'm here to save one. And if, I, and if I can share my story, especially when it comes to mental health in the black community and those mm-hmm. in ethnic, ethnic groups, if I can share my story that can inspire someone to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, I don't question God mm. often. I do in, in terms of I think, I think questioning God is great because I think dialogue, invite, um, dialogue increases faith. I mm-hmm. think in order for you to increase faith, you have to have, be able to increase in dialogue with God. But... You know, in terms of God, why me, why me? It wasn't like, God, why me? It was, God, thank you. And this mm-hmm. is my way of being able to repay back you saving me. And I remember in that time, actually, I didn't... I, it's crazy because in that time, I didn't even believe God. I was not a Christian mm-hmm. at the time. And it was after that, I actually ended up getting close to God. And I remember actually saying to God, God, if you allow me to get out of this, I'm going to share my story and I'm going to give you the glory. Like, I remember having that conversation with God more or less just when it was getting really bad. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the vow that I've taken and that's the vow that I'm going to stick by until, until I go back to him. What advice would you give to someone who feels how you felt during that time? Um, I, would say, I would say talk to people. Definitely, that's number one, talk to people. You're not, you know, no man, no man is an island. Mm. Um, I think it's really important to talk to people. I say number two, being able to implement a routine, it can be simple, even if it's three things a day. Because I think as human beings, like when you start feeling accomplished, you start to feel better. Mm. And I think if you could just do three things a day that you know you can stick to, it makes you feel better about yourself. Whether that is being able to pray slash meditate, whether that's you to um, be able to uh, play a game, watch a movie, or do a drawing or something, it can be anything. Do three things every single day and allow yourself to get into a routine. Routine is everything, discipline is everything. I say doing a gratitude journal, number three, mm. is super important. It's so easy to count all the things that are going left, mm. but just to remember all the things that are going right too. And I say um, number, the last thing I definitely would say is um, take every single day that comes, be kind to yourself. Mm. I think it's so easy to kind of be like, oh, like, you know, um, so just be hard on yourself. And, mm. and it's so easy to kind of be like, why am I still here? Why am I still feeling like this? Like, Life is not linear, you know. There's going to be times that you're going to feel like great and there's going to be times you're going to feel like crap. And you have to give yourself grace mm. and, and allow yourself to feel as well. Like, don't hide your feelings. Don't, don't, don't bury them. Like, allow yourself to feel because that's really important. In the midst of all this happening, mm-hmm. as you, you, you pointed out, you and God mm-hmm. was, was nothing. Nothing. When do you realise that God is important. Yeah, when I was 18, I was in a public speaking engagement. I was in a speaking engagement and um, I had an encounter. I literally felt God's love. I felt his presence. And the encounter I had was just so life-changing. Mm. Um, my best friend witnessed it as well. And I was crying at the altar for like two hours. 
and I was really annoyed when I first got there because yeah, they set you up. Yeah, they set me up. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to do the speaking engagement because I knew it was in a church and I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with Christians mm. because unfortunately the Christians that I had encountered um, did not reflect Christ. They didn't reflect love. Mm. Um, they reflected more judgment and criticism than they did love. Mm. And um, and your whole thing at that point was love. Yeah, love definitely. Before God, before it God, was... it's love definitely. Mm. Um, and yeah, so having that encounter, I just thought, God, how can you not be real? Mm. Like, and and as I said, like I'd had different dialogues and conversations with God in my journal. Mm. So I used to journal to Him and be like, you know, God, like if you're real, do this. If you're real, do that. And I started seeing certain things happen. Mm. Like it would be like, okay, like this is really weird. Like. And yeah, it could only be God. So um, when I started to realize and come to that revelation myself that wow, God is real, that's when I started saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with this, and I've, I haven't left ever since, and I, I've been happy. I'm happy here. I have to take a moment because I'm just like <laughs> the way your life has transpired. Certain things we haven't even spoken about that's happened. Yeah. The way your life has transpired to to that moment that you God had to set you up mm. for you to encounter him and you haven't left his side at that point. <laughs> at a speaking engagement too. <laughs> Something that you were doing. Yeah. Is amazing and crazy at the same time. Yeah. When you look back, do you feel like knowing what you know now, God had his hand on your life from early? 110%. 110%. My mum's a very prayerful woman. Mm. So for me, it was not even about like, it's not even about my destiny or where I was going. It's also about my mum's prayers. And I know that my mum's prayers have, there's certain things that my mum has prayed into from when I was like young that mm. I'm just like manifesting now. Mm. So I understand the power of prayer. And yeah, just growing up as well, like hearing about God. And I've had many different people in my family have very strong encounters. Um, just many different things I also witnessed in my family as well. And I was just kind of like, how can I doubt his, his goodness, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, from, from young, I definitely could, would, can definitely say yes. Like, he's been showing me his, how real he is from when I was young. How important is it for you to have mentors that also believe in God? It's important to a certain extent. Okay, explain Re that. The, the reason why is because not all my mentors believe in God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. And I think, you know, it's being able to find common ground and mm. also being able to live in a world where not everyone's going to have the same beliefs as you. And I think wisdom, wisdom is being able to have conversations with people who do not believe mm. in what you believe in and still being able to have fine common ground, respecting what they, their experiences are and vice versa, them being able to respect mine. Um, I do think it is important, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I do think it is important, but I also think that, you know, those that, don't believe or those that don't have the same faith as you um it opens your mind up i'm very open-minded so yeah. i have um, people around me who are muslim many people around me who are atheists um, people around me who um are hindu sikh mm -hmm. um, and having these people around me allows me to be open-minded i'm very 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 um um, I love I love questioning. I'm quite inquisitive, mm -hmm. so I love asking questions. And I ask questions about Islam. I love asking questions about um, Buddhism. I love asking questions about um, Sikhism. Um, being able to educate myself and understand how can I respect your culture more? How can I respect your religion more? Mm. Because when I think about Jesus, um, he had his truth, but he lived in harmony with people around him. 
And I just don't believe that as Christians that we're caused to, we're, we're caused to cause chaos. Mm. Um, you know, yes, and, and you know, I might have some people come and say, yeah, but the gospel needs to be preached. Yeah, the gospel needs to be preached by the way you live, mm. by how you love. And, you know, there's a, a, wise, a wise mentor of mine once said, you know, if someone can, if you need to use your words to preach the gospel, you're not preaching it right mm. because someone should just feel the gospel with you mm. they should look at your life and they shall be able to know this one belongs to christ and i think that is louder than anything so for me you know i've had people come and say but you know i've had people come and say to me like oh when you go to um corporations you need to come and say that you're christian no i don't i don't um they will know <laughs> they will know when they go on my page they will know when they come and to follow me yeah. um but I don't come and, you know, um, share Christ because it's going to get me a, a, a star in heaven. Mm. No, I share Christ because this has helped me. This has literally changed my life. And if I can share what's changed my life, then, you know, so be it. What's the most important lesson you've learned about yourself? Most important thing, lesson that I've learned about myself? I'm nowhere, I'm nowhere near, I'm nowhere near the person I'd love to be. Mm. But, I can get there. Mm. I can get there. And I think, you know, being able to understand that you can get there. Um, it's not about, you know, doing better, but being better as a human being. We're human beings, not human doings. You know, be, you know, learn to be. I think that's the most important lesson I've learned about myself. And just to be kind to myself. Mm. Yeah, I'm very, very, very hard on myself. And I think when I, when I start to love myself and be like, okay, Hose, like, you're doing a good job. Like being able to pat myself on the back. I started being able to move in, in ways that I didn't think I could move, so yeah. So even with what everyone sees on social media, wherever it is, and they see how great you're doing, mm -hmm. in the background, you're still like... Yeah, 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 because like, the, a, lot of the things that I'm, a lot of the things that I'm walking in now are things that I was praying, praying into from the age of 18. Mm -hmm. Like I had on the vision board, like Microsoft and the, the, the JP Morgan, these are clients that I was writing for myself when I was 18. So now it's kind of like, this is great. Don't get me wrong. Like the things I'm walking in, the opportunities that I have are great. But for me, my aim is to be um, advising the president of the United States. Mm. Like that is, that's the aim. That's the, the direction and trajectory that I pray that I can go into. Because I think, you know, when you're able to really sit as an advisor to presidents, um, going in that trajectory, mm. um, and I'll get there. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not worried about myself. I know I'll get there. You're not far. I don't think, I don't think you're that far. I don't think you're as far as, as it may seem. I think like you're closer than you think. But when you look back, what advice would you give younger Hales that no one told you? Don't stop dreaming. Wow. The older you get, you start getting scared. Mm. Yeah, life will scare you, unfortunately. It's really sad. And I tell her, like, don't stop dreaming. Like, you keep dreaming, dream crazy. You'll lose some people because some people will probably think that this girl's crazy. Mm. Don't stop dreaming and don't stop trusting God because some people will challenge you in that area as well. Like, of course, you walk into rooms and people will be like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't like God or I don't like the fact that you speak about your faith. But at the end of the day, like, you speak your truth. You own your truth. If you're telling people to step more in their truth, but you're not being truthful in yourself mm. and you're not owning your truth, how are you going to speak to thousands of people going around the world Telling them to be role models, but I'm not real about my faith. I'm mm. not real about the thing that keeps me sane every day. Yeah, keep trusting God and don't stop, stop, don't stop dreaming. That's real talk. Did you ever feel like 
as you go through this, go through life at this point, do you have people who are not dream killers, but they don't believe in your dream as much as you do? And yeah, how do you deal with those people? Because those people sometimes are outside of your circle. Yeah, sometimes they're inside as well. I pray for them. Mm. I pray for them. <laughs> I pray for them because what else can you do? You know, I've got to pray for their hearts and. I pray that God blesses them so much with their desires that they don't need to look at what God is doing in my life anyway. Mm. Like, I think a lot of the time, the reason why people are so critical is because people have too much time in their hands. Like, the greatest critics have too much time. I don't have time to be watching who's left, right. Usain Bolt, you think that when he's running that he's looking at the next man next to him. He's looking at that finishing line. Mm. But the people who are running against him are looking at Usain Bolt. And that's why they're always going to turn second. They're always going to be second because the person they're focused on is Usain Bolt. But for me, I'm not focusing on the next man that's running my race. I'm focused on the finishing line. Mm. And the finishing line is a bigger picture. It's thousands and millions of people who I know that um, what I have can be able to unlock them to greater potential, greater circumstances. It's the young people from Ems who I want them to swap the knife for wisdom. Like, mm. it's these are the areas and the things that I'm dreaming of. So the people who are watching me, in fact, follow me. Follow me because I'm sure that you know You'll, you'll get inspired to realise that there's a greater picture for you too. Like, I've, I've had my, my, my sense of betrayals and my people who have come and in and come out. And uh, as a person of faith, one of the greatest books I've actually read is The Base of Satan mm. by John Bevere. And just talks about offence and forgiveness and how important forgiveness is mm. and how important it is to humble yourself and understand that a lot of people hurt you because they're going through their own stuff as well. Mm -hmm. People don't hurt you because it has anything to do with you. A lot of the reasons why people treat you the way they treat you is because it's to do their own trauma. Hurt people, and hurt people. Exactly. And I think, you know, when you start to realise that people hurt you according to the pain they are actually still processing as well, mm. you'll start to move different. So for me, I don't do this whole tit for tat. Mm -hmm. I'm not the type of person that comes and says, oh, because you treat me like crap, I'm going to treat you like crap. Mm. It's kind of like, okay, God, like, how can I serve them to a place when they start to realise that I am not your problem, mm -hmm. I'm not your enemy? If anything, I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we move. Like, I'm not friends with anyone. I'm not friends with everyone. Oh, thank God. I have amazing people around me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I have amazing support. But I'm not going to lie and say I'm friends with everyone. I love everyone. Mm. Um, but my circle's very tight. Mm. My circle's tight for a reason. Um, simply because, you know, when you invite more people um, into your, your inner space, you know, you invite more problems, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so I, I give... I give a lot, but in terms of who I allow to pour into me, very few, mm. very few. I mean, wisdom, yes, I have a lot of wisdom, a lot of mentors, people, but I'm talking about the people around me who I allow to pour into the most intimate areas of my life, yeah, yeah, very yeah. few, very few. In all that you do and all that who you are, where does the music element... <laughs> kind of go into it. ...come into all of this? <laughs> yeah. And then, what, is, what are you trying to achieve with yeah. the music? Do you know what? I think in terms of music, I've been, I've been rapping since I was young. Like, I was rapping since I was like 11, mm. um, singing since I was about eight. Um, so these are things that I've been doing for a long time. And I think, you know, COVID-19, unfortunately, got us to a place where we saw so much death on our TV. Mm. And when you're reminded of death, you have to start thinking, am I living life? Mm. You know, there's something that Nicki Minaj comes and says, and she comes and says, like, you know, not everyone's living. 
and it's true like it's not everyone's living just because you're alive doesn't mean you're living mm-hmm. and I think I started asking myself like hells are you actually doing the things that you love to do are you doing the things that make you happy are you doing the things that make you warm inside like are you doing the things that brings you pure joy and music was a big thing of that like you know I'd sit down like for burnt and just write bars like I remember like when COVID-19 happened I'd done some freestyle challenge mm. um, on Instagram and I had bare entries and I like got 200 pounds um, to to give um, to give out to anybody who came with the tightest bars, mm. and I started it off, and many people were coming all over, and it was it was lit, and it was a good time. Like it wasn't even like oh I'm gonna get you a record deal. It was just people coming to down and pen bars yeah, and yeah. create a song, and people just creating songs, and it was good. And I felt like music does that. Music's able to bring different types of people together, mm. whether as I said, different faiths, different genders, different ethnicities, no matter where you are, mm. people come together. It's like different songs, you know, Fantasia, When I See You, to, you know, um, what else, to I'm a Piano, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Drake, to Jay-Z. I don't have to be friends with you, but I can be on that dance floor sitting that, singing those lyrics, yeah, yeah, word yeah. for word, eye contact to eye contact, and music does that. And if I could basically allow my music to bring uh, people together and also be able to tell my story, like Prosper is storytelling, like, the first song that I literally created was there were certain bars where I'm literally coming to say like, yeah, sometimes I eat Dixie and sometimes I eat lobster. It's mm-hmm. basically saying that even though, yes, I do work with some of the most um, prominent um, corporations and I do work with some of the biggest CEOs and leaders in the United Kingdom and, and more or less in the world, mm-hmm. even though some of these people are my clients, I still have a council house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have a chicken and chip shop. I still buck chicken and chip shop. Like, mm-hmm. I still, I still buck boss man yeah, 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 for my yeah, chicken yeah. and chips. But then if you want lobster, I've got the money for lobster too. Even though I've got the resources and the network for these things, you know, I still choose um, to, to have my chicken and chips here and there. Not right now, because I'm trying to lose weight and, you know, boss man is not, boss man's not really boss my man friend with the you. fried chicken. So, you know, sometimes I have to talk by, you know, Tesco for meal deal and all that jazz. Jeez, I don't know. But, you know, I'm eating more prawns and fish lately. You've got a wedding yeah, dress yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All them things there. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's, for me, music for me, I just done it because it's, it's for freedom, like storytelling. It's another way to be able to tell my story, but also because it's fun as well. Like, mm. I can't be somebody who's out here working with all these people come to say, like, what makes you happy? What what makes you feel free? And I'm not doing the thing that makes me feel free. Mm. And I had a lot of people, you know, come to say, hey, you're doing too much, like this, that, that. But as I said, like, when you've got too much time in your hand, you're always going to criticise. Like, I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing yeah. it for my own happiness. I'm doing it for me to kind of be like, you know what, I lived life, like, you know, that's why I respect people like Will Smith and mm. respect people like even DJ Khaled. Like, these are people who will live their life. Like, you think they give a heck what people think? Like, they're doing their thing. Like, even though, like, there's Diddy, like, there's so many people who are Beyonce, even. Like, Beyonce's done singing, she's done rapping, she's done acting. But she is the queen and she's the epitome of queen because she's somebody who has literally been able to come and say, I want to dominate these different areas. Mm. And I'm one person that doesn't believe in you know, just being a master of one. I believe, yeah, you can be a jack of all trades. And I think that's me. I'm, I'm a polymath. I'm multifaceted. Mm. I'm going to own it. <laughs> what does the next 12 months look like for you? Marriage. <laughs> wedding. Wedding planning. Jeez! Yeah, wedding planning. Next 12 months looks like wedding planning, marriage. But the next 12 months for me looks like who is Hayley Melinda before I become my marriage name? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can go into marriage not knowing who they are. Mm. And this year is about finding who I am. Because if, you know, God willing, in the next few years, I'm going to become a mother and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to become a wife and all that stuff. 
it's like I don't want it to be a thing that you know my kids ask me mum who are you or mum like tell me about your life and I can't communicate that mm. because I never found this year I never spent this year searching myself so more than anything I think you know I don't think this is about me um growing my tree any higher it's about growing my roots deeper mm-hmm. so grow, growing my roots deeper within myself like what 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 makes me happy what makes me sad what am I passionate about? What am I not passionate about? Being able to, what what are the things that irritate me? What are the things that um, I'm good at? What are the things that I'm bad at? What are the things that I need to improve on? Mm. I think for any relationship, like you have to be very self-aware. Mm. So I think literally within the next year is um, finding out who Hayley Melinda is and making sure my, my roots are deeper and building, don't get me wrong, like you go, money after me, because <laughs> you know, where does that actually So um, scaling my business and being able to um, launch out into different things, you know, more speaking engagements, more music, um, and just having fun, man, living life. Mm. But yeah, I guess the people will see. I'm one person, I don't talk too much about the things I'm doing. Like, I'm one person that you just wait and see because I feel like, you know, I'm not somebody who talks about what I'm going to do. You should, you, you'll read my resume, you'll see my results. And mm. You'll know that I get things done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love that. Love that energy. That energy is excellent. <laughs> Last question to you. Yeah. What encouragement would you give to yourself of where you're at in life now? What encouragement would I give to myself? Be grateful. Mm. Be grateful. I think that's the best encouragement and you're doing well. Like, hell is like, I would look at myself and say, Haley, you are doing so well. Um, had some rocks, had some, I had, a, had a rocky 2021, I wouldn't even lie to you. Mm. But I think being able to even get to a place where I can even be like, breathe, it's a breathe, not crying and, being a place where it's just kind of like, okay, we're moving on, like we're getting there. Yeah, definitely I'll say like, be grateful and, and, and you keep going because you're doing well. So yeah. Hayley Melinda. <laughs> Hales. Yes. Listen, money after making you know. Yeah, money after <laughs> Thank you, I really appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. I know people are going to be like, inspired. Like, I hope so, I really do. Nah, use codes. So. <laughs> I'm very true, use code. <laughs> Thank you. It's been Conversation with H. With the amazing, the superb, the supreme, Hales, aka Hayley.